You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. How many of you guys are excited for today? Oh, I'm not going to lie, I'm insanely nervous for this and excited and everything all wrapped into one and I'm grateful you guys came. Every time we put an event on, you can ask my team, I'm always stressed out, no one's going to show up. So like, this morning I was in the back of the room and then people start coming, I'm like, okay, now we can do this. So... Um, super excited uh, to be here with you guys, and, and uh, this is fun. When we first launched the Two Common Quebec's coaching program, this was never going to be part of it. Uh, this was not in the plans, and then a few months ago, uh, uh, we started working on the third book in the trilogy called Traffic Secrets. How many of you guys are excited for it? And uh, some of the backstory behind it. So uh, if you want to hear how I write books, and maybe this will shortcut some of your guys' uh, process. So when I wrote the dot-com secrets book, I remember we wrote the entire first thing and spent like six months writing it and like it got done. I remember reading it and I was like, it's not very good. And I wasn't that proud of it. In fact, at the Dry Bar Comedy Club last week, um, somebody asked me like, what's the big, one of the biggest things I learned from my, from my dad? And, um, uh, and the story I told was when I was like, how old was I? I was probably, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. And um, my dad gave me a job to go clean the family car. So I went out and I cleaned the car and I did my quick job real quick. And I came back in and I said, hey dad, the car's clean, can I go and play? Um, I'm like, do you want to come look at it and see real quick? And he said, he said, well, are, like, are you proud of it? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, are you proud of it? I'm like, I don't know, come look at it, see if, see if it's done. And he said, well, when you're, when you're proud of it, then it's done. He said, so are you proud of it? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. So I went back in the car and I started cleaning. I just kept cleaning. I did like a really deep dive and cleaned it really, really good. And I came back and I said, like, hey, dad, the car's clean. He said, are you proud of it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, good. You can go now. And it was like this huge lesson. He never even looked at the car. But as soon as I was proud of it, then he knew it was done. And I remember um, when we finished the first draft of Dotcom Secrets, I remember reading it and I was like, I'm not proud of it. And so I was like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over from scratch. And so I deleted the entire manuscript. And then I was like, how do I how do I do this? And, um, and so I sent an email out to, at the time we had a program called Dotcom Secrets Ignite. Were any of you guys in that program back in the day? We had a couple of igniters. Anyway, I sent a list, an email to the people. I'm like, I'm trying to write this book. I'm all screwed up. I'm going to do an event in Boise in like, uh, I think it was like a month away. And I'm going to teach all this stuff. If you guys want to come, please come. And we ended up getting about hundred people who came. And for three days I stood on stage and I taught the Dotcom Secrets process. And what was cool about it is like, as I'm teaching it, I can see in people's eyes where they're like, what is he talking about? And I'm like, oh crap, I need to tell them this so they understand this. And so like, I had to go like, re-figure out. And in between breaks, I'm like shifting my things, got my notes. I'm re-moving things around. And I'm re-teaching it. And then until everyone had the light bulbs, and I spent three days teaching that. And then went home that night and like, redid the whole outline. And then I started writing the book, which then became Dotcom Secrets. Then fast forward like a year and a half later, because after that, I was like, that was so much pain. I'm never going to write a book again, ever. Uh, I was actually literally here in Phoenix, Arizona. I was at an event with Dave Woodward, and Dave and I were talking on the flight over, and I was like, man, I will never write a book again. He's like, yeah, it was a lot of pain, huh? I'm like, you have no idea how much pain goes into a book. And then that night I went to dinner, and at dinner um, I was sitting with Dean Graciosi. How many of you guys know Dean? I've seen Dean's ads. Dean's the man. I was sitting there, and it was the first time we, uh, probably the second time we'd ever met, but it was the first time we had a chance to actually sit there and talk. And we're sitting there across dinner talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And in the middle of dinner, I get this impression that I need to write a book, and it's going to be called Expert Secrets. I was like, no, I don't want to write a book called Expert Secrets. But I bought the domain name like two years earlier. I'm like, I do have the domain. That is a good domain. It would be like, it would kind of fit. And I, my mind's going and Dean's talking about it. I don't even remember what. And then all of a sudden by the end of it, I was like, oh, I got to write this book. So I went in that night. I'm like, Dave, I'm writing a book. It's called Expert Secrets. And Dave did the Dave thing. He starts freaking out. We're freaking out. Right? Ah! And then I sat down and we wrote the first draft of the whole book. And then I remember I was at family, um, I was at family vacation in Bear Lake uh, in Utah. 
and uh, it was like at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And I went to go do my, my final edit of the manuscript, and I started reading through it. And about three or four pages in, I was like, I'm not proud of this. I don't like it. And this is back when Snapchat was still around. Do you remember Snapchat? I guess it's still around probably. <laughs> so I get out. How many of you guys remember this? I got out Snapchat. I was like, hey, guys, here's the manuscript of the book. It's like 250 pages. And on Snapchat, I highlighted the whole thing. And I clicked delete, and I clicked save. And I was like, it's gone. You remember seeing that? I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, the next week, I was flying to Kenya. So I'm flying to Kenya. I'm in the plane. I brought, like, 40 books with me. I'm rereading all these books about... All, anyway, all sorts of stuff. I'm in Kenya. I remember I'm in this little car on this bumpy uh, road for four hours with this book, and I'm reading and highlighting my drawing notes and doing all sorts of stuff. And in the middle of that bumpy ride, all of a sudden I have the, like, the aha of like, oh my gosh, this is what the framework needs to be. And I start geeking out. And um, I was in Kenya the whole time, and then I landed in Boise after coming from Kenya. And the next day we had an event with my inner circle, um, the first uh, Expert Secrets event. How many of you guys were that? Anyone guys at that one? A few years for that one. And for three days, I taught the expert secrets framework. And it was the same thing. There were parts where I was like, I'm going to spend 15 minutes on this concept. And I, spent, and I started explaining it, and like, everyone's like glossed over their eyes. I'm like, is this making sense? They're like, no. I'm like, crap. And I remember one session specifically where in a 15-minute session, I'm taking three hours to get to the point where like, it made sense. And people are like, oh. And I'm like, okay, that's how to actually teach it. And then we wrote the expert secrets book, and then, yeah. So... That was twice that I did, I wrote a book, deleted it, and then wrote another book, which is a lot more painful. And so this time, when we decided, it was funny because it was in the middle of the Expert Secrets book launch, literally like day three of the launch. And I had said multiple times, like, I will never write a book again. And then in the middle of that launch, I still remember, um, because we were having an event during the launch, it was like chaos a little bit. I got a a Facebook messenger from John Reese, who owned Traffic Secrets, which traffic, the background, the two-second backstory of that, um, uh, John Reese was the first person in our industry to do a million dollars in a day selling a course called Traffic Secrets. And this was back, man, 14, 15 years ago. And so for me, it was like, the, like Traffic Secrets was the thing that gave me belief in this whole industry. I saw a human being just like me, a dude who puts on his pants just like I do, zips up his shoes. I have zippers on my shoes. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Ties his shoes. There's a whole funny backstory that I can't tell you right now. Um, Ties his shoes the same way that I do, right? And, uh, and I was like, and he made a million dollars in a day, 18 hours to be specific. I'm like, if some dude can make a million dollars in a day, I wonder if I can make a million dollars in a year. And I was like, okay. And that gave me belief. And for me, it was like belief is all I needed. As soon as I had belief and I knew it was possible, then I could run and I could do it. And if you guys notice, like 90% of what I do is try to give you guys belief because this business is not that hard. But if you believe it, then you can do it. And so Traffic Secrets was big for me. So when John messaged me and said, hey, I'm selling off all my assets, you'd be interested in buying Traffic Secrets. In the middle of the book launch, I was like, we can have a trilogy. Oh my gosh, this is better than Star Wars. And I'm like, totally freaking out. And I was like, this is gonna be an emotional purchase. I'm gonna spend way too much money for it, but I have to have this domain. And so we ended up buying it from him. And then we did a Funnel Locker TV, like, we're writing a third book in the middle. Anyway, if you go back to the old episodes, you can see it. And uh, anyway, so fast forward now to a couple months ago, um, we started talking to the publisher and figure out publishing dates and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I know now when I have the book has to be done, we actually have the launch day, everything's planned out now. And, um, and I was like, can you write this book? So I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing it. And I was like, wait a minute. Remember what happened the last two times, Russell? Don't start writing it yet. Do an event first and then teach it. And if people are confused, then you can fix it on the fly. And then you can write afterwards. And um, that was the idea. And now you guys are all here. And this is my first chance ever teaching this in its entirety. And so... Yeah. 
so the, the good side is that you guys are going to hear all about it first. The bad side is that this is not like a normal Russell Brunson event where every slide is scripted out and perfect. This is like my playground to, to like discover this stuff with you guys. Um, the last, honestly, last three days of my life, I've been so deep in this. And it's, if you guys have been watching Instagram, I've been up super late, up early. I've been doodling stuff. I brought all my doodles because I didn't want to lose like the vision of like everything I was sketching out. They're all like, these papers are all over my floor, my office. Like I'm ripping them up and throwing them and trying to figure out the easiest way to simplify this and explain it. And so, um, that's kind of what's going to happen. So forgive me if there's times, if I see you're confused, I'm going to go deeper and try to figure things out until we, so there might be some of those kind of things, but that's the, the fun creative process. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of what's happening over the next two days here. So I appreciate you guys letting me um, test this material on you guys. Um, but at the same time, hopefully you guys will get a ton of ahas and, and be able to see traffic and things that you're trying to do from a different, a different level. That's really the, the game plan. Um, okay, so first thing I want to do is kind of set up this entire next two days with you guys. Um, because some of you guys are going to come here and you're going to go through this experience and then you're going to leave tomorrow night. Um, not, you're going to hear Saturday as well because Alex is here, but you're going to leave my session t- uh, tomorrow night and you're like, Russell never talked about Facebook ads. I thought this was a traffic course. He never once opened the ad manager. He didn't even show us like Google ads or didn't show us like any, like he didn't talk about that at all. I thought this was a traffic event. I'm so confused. So I want to address that like right now. So we don't have to talk about it in two days when you're angry at me, okay? Is that all right? <laughs> um, this is, this is, there's a couple reasons. Number one, how many of you guys think I've ever logged into Facebook ad manager? I actually did once. I thought I broke Facebook. It was so funny. I clicked on the button. Also, there are all these numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. And I got like, John, John, get in here. And he came in here. I'm like, what is this? He's like, that's how we run the ads. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is stressful. Holy crap. Uh, it made me a little bit nervous. Um, but the focus of this, because I, Every book I've written, I've wanted to write in a way that's evergreen. Traffic shifts all the time. I didn't want to teach something that by Wednesday is out of date. I didn't want to talk about something that shifts. And I look at, um, I've been in this business now for 15, this is my 15th year in this, this business. Um, and I can tell you guys, it's like a word of warning. I feel like my, um, my duty to you guys and to our community as a whole is to try to see what's happening and try to give everybody what they need to be able to weather the storms. There's a storm coming. And I want you guys to prepare for that. A lot of you guys have had it really, really easy and really, really good because you log into Facebook ads, you run ads, and you're making money. And it's amazing. But I've been around 15 years now, and when I first got started, there was this magic site out there called Google. Do you guys remember that? And back, uh, Google was back how Facebook is right now. Um, Anybody with an idea could throw up a Google ad and you were rich. Literally anybody. I had friends who were like not much smarter than like this pad of paper right here, making tons of money. Right? You logged in, you picked a keyword, you spent a little bit of money, and you made a bunch of money. And like, everyone thought they were geniuses. Everything was like, amazing. And then the storm came. And uh, somebody in the inner circle uh, called, uh, called this the other day. How many of you guys have seen Avengers? The last one. I can't remember who it was that said this. But you guys remember Thanos? So Thanos is going around getting all the sorcerer, or the, all the different stones because his goal is he wants to, if he, uh, he thinks there's too many people populating the world, Right? So he's getting all these things, and when he gets all the, the stones in his glove, if he snaps, then half of the world dies. Half the population of the entire universe dies. Now there's not a people on earth. And so what happened back then was the exact same thing. Thanos came and snapped his finger, and overnight half the businesses died. Literally gone. And the ones that survived, guess who they were? They were not people like us. It was the big brands. It was Ford, Chevy, people who had like $18 billion a year advertising budgets who weren't tracking response or anything like that. Those are the people who, who survived. People like us got kicked out. I remember for about two or three year period of time after that happened, um, most of the people I knew disappeared and never came back to this world since then. 
all of them working day jobs, doing whatever now, because um, Thanos snapped, their business died, and it was over, right? Then, a little while later, that's when SEO started becoming a thing. How many of you remember this era of the internet marketing world? It was fun, right? Like, <laughs> it was so fun. Um, I can tell you so many fun stories about that time. But it was amazing, because literally you would go... And uh, you would just throw up crap stuff, and you'd be ranked, and you start making sales, and it was super easy, and it was amazing. And then some of you guys who haven't been around a long time may have heard rumors about the Google slap, right? It was the Google slap, but it was the next Thanos snap. Boom, half the businesses died. Most of those people aren't around anymore, right? And then smart marketers like, figured out how to beat the algorithm, and they came back, and we were doing really good again, and then boom, the snap. And then did it again, boom, the snap. And I watched over, over and over for the next five, 10 years, businesses dying and just like cutting people out. Um, and then luckily, the next phase came, and it was, uh, was uh, Facebook. And Facebook came, and it's been easy. It's been amazing. It's been like one of the greatest gifts for um, us as a community. Um, but I feel that it's going to change. I think that's going to happen. Zuckerberg literally got Zanos's glove, or Thanos's glove. And we call it Zanos because Zuckerberg. So Zanos has got the glove. <laughs> and at any minute, he could snap, and half our businesses disappear. And so I look at, like, what's the difference between me and our company versus all the people I've known in the last 15 years. I had people who were making insane amounts of money who were unemployed right now. Um, all happening the last 15 years because there's been the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs. So my question is like, how have we protected ourselves? Okay, and I think a big part of it is because I didn't ever focus on the tactics, okay? And there's a day and a time and a place for tactics. Like, how do you actually run the ad? How do you actually do these things? But the reason why we have survived 15 years as a company, the reason why we're growing the rate we are right now is not because of the tactics. It's because we understand the overarching strategy of how traffic and how traffic works. Okay? And I didn't learn this from some internet marketing gurus. Okay? Um, I was blessed and lucky enough, uh, man, 12 years ago now, to get in groups with people like Dan Kennedy, Bill Glazer, Gary Halbert, like the old school guys who are teaching these strategies from a direct mail standpoint, from radio ads, from TV ads, from uh, cold calling, fax blasting. These are the guys I learned from way back in the day before there was a Facebook, right? Fax blasting was amazing. And then guess what happened? The government Thanos snapped his finger and the entire thing disappeared overnight. It wasn't just half. Um, but this is where I learned from, from these guys back then. And so when the internet came around, they're all like skeptical. If you ever listen to Kennedy talk about the internet, he thinks it's a fad that's going away soon, right? Um, but his big thing, he's like, he's like, you have to understand the internet is just media, just like TV, radio, it's just media. And if you understand the strategy of how media works, then it works anything. And so these are the guys I learned from back in the day. So when things started coming and going and the ups and the downs, like the reason why we survived and thrived through those periods was not because I understood how to run a Facebook ad. I don't know that to this day. Okay, it's because I understood the overarching strategy of how you get traffic, how you get eyeballs, how you get people's attention. Okay, and so that's what this event's going to be about. It's helping us understand the overarching strategy. Because if you do that, when Zanos, uh, Zuckerberg snaps his finger, or the next ad platform, or whatever the next thing is, you guys will be protected. I feel like that's my duty to you guys as a community, is to make sure you guys are protected. And that's why this book is happening, why it's happening now. Um, and so that's kind of the, the overarching reason for this event and this book and everything. Everything we talk about will be evergreen. It'll work today. It'll work tomorrow. It'll work with, it would have worked with Friendster. It would have worked with MySpace. It works with Facebook and it'll work for the next thing as well. Who here remembers Friendster? A couple of you guys? All right. So that is the, that is what we're going to be going through. Um, two, uh, two more things I'll talk about really quick. I'm going to start with Myron. All right. So this morning, how many of you guys love Myron Golden? Every time he opens his mouth, I just like stop and just wait for like amazingness to happen, right? It's just, 
Uh, anyway, this morning he came and he's like, hey, Russell, guess what? I got this little book. And he started talking. And like five minutes down, I was like, oh my gosh, like, where's my phone? I have to buy this book. And they start talking about his concept. And he's like, oh, I know why people who we work with don't have success sometimes. And it's like, it's this pattern. And like, he sp- I was like freaking out. I'm like, can I pull you on stage before you start and explain to everybody? Because this will help everybody so much. And he's like, I don't know, Russell, I don't really like being on stage with microphone. <laughs> Said Myron never. He's like, of course, I would love to talk about that. So he's going to come up. I wanted him to preset this because it's going to help all of you guys to take this information and internalize it. So let's give Myron a huge round of applause. He comes on stage. First of all, thank you. Thank you, Russell. Um, so I was like, those of us who teach this kind of stuff, like what Russell's teaching you now and what you're, you, all of you signed up to learn, you know, the million dollars, how to make a million dollars, get in the two comic club, all that stuff. You know, one of the things I discovered is, and one of the frustrations I've had, and I'm sure Russell's had the same frustration over the years, is we teach this stuff to people and then they don't do it. You're like, man, why didn't they do it? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes? Okay. So how many of you are already in the two comic club? Congratulations, give those folks a hand. How many of you would like to be in the Two Comma Club? You're not there yet, but you'd like to be in the Two Comma Club by Funnel Hacking Live. Okay, that's a lot. Give those folks a hand. All right. So I'm going to tell you how to do that. And I know that sounds like you're going to tell me how to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you how to do that because I discovered something. I, I, I spent a long time in, as an entrepreneur struggling. So, you know, sometimes you look at Russell and say, yeah, it's easy for him. He's Russell. He's got Russell powers. Oh, it's easy for him. He's Myron. He's got Myron powers. Or it's easy for this person because they've got special powers. But everybody has special powers. And what happens is I noticed when I first started as an entrepreneur in network marketing back in 1985, before many of you were born, um, that, that people who were successful, they were making what seemed like a lot of money back then. They were making 10000 a month. And 20,000 a month and 30,000 a month, which sounded like, like, how in the world can you spend that much money? They'd say things, and I'd attempt to do what I thought I heard them say, but then it didn't work, right? How many of y'all feel that way sometimes, right? I attempted to do what I thought I heard them say, and it didn't work. Okay. So then, then fast forward 14 years, people say, Myron, you were an overnight success. I know. It was a 14-year night. 14 years later, <laughs> 14 years later, I had my first six-figure year. Three years later, I had my first seven-figure year, and, and, and then I discovered that there is a communication gap. I would say things to people, and then they would attempt to go and do the thing they thought I heard me say, but they didn't hear me what I actually said. They heard what they thought I said. And our listening is not based on the person speaking. Our listening is based on who we are and where we are when they're saying it to us. And every time somebody says something to, to us, we translate it into our own language based on where we're at in our lives. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes? Okay. So, so the communication gap between people who are successful and people who are not successful happens as a direct result of when we are, when Russell's up here all week or today and tomorrow showing you all this stuff. When Alex Sharfin's here on Saturday showing you all this cool stuff, he's going to be saying stuff. And he's going to be telling you how to get to the two comma club, how to get into the two comma club and how to make a million dollars. I'm going to write it up here so y'all can, so you can see it. Right? That's a million. Right? So he's going to show you how, Russell's going to show you how to do this. 
how to make a million dollars. Now, here's what's really interesting. When I say that, you're like, great, he's going to show me how to do it. But when I say he's going to show you how to do it, I'm not saying he's going to show you what to do to do it. Because that's not how you do it. Knowing what to do doesn't give you the ability to do it. But as soon as I learn the next thing, it doesn't work like that. So here's how it really works. People, there's a communication gap because Russell is going to be up here talking to you about how to be the person, person who can make a million dollars. And you're going to be listening for what to do. And so every time he tells you about how to be the person who will make a million dollars, you're going to translate it into something you're supposed to do and say, I don't get that. I'm telling you, this is how it works. So I was reading this book. <laughs> so I was, I had Dan Locke. Should I tell him that story, the whole story that I told you? Okay, so Dan Locke, he's been in the inner circle. And I teach people how to sell stuff from the stage. So he bought my speaker training program where I teach people how to sell stuff from the stage. And I researched him. I said, so I started, okay, who's this Dan Locke character? He calls me out of the blue and he starts asking me these questions. And all of a sudden I start coaching him. And so he does this live event and he sends me this thing after his live event. He, he did $5 million in sales, which is remarkable, right? But that's not the remarkable, well, that's not the only remarkable part. He was talking about his mentor, this guy named Dan Pena. Anybody ever heard of Dan Pena? Okay, a couple of you. So I go, who's Dan Pena? Like, that's what we do, right? Go down the road. So Dan Pena talks about this book. And, and Dan Pena, talks, he talks about this book. I said, okay. And the guy that wrote the book, his name is Price Pritchett, P-R-I-T-C-H-E-T-T, Price Pritchett. How many of you ever heard of him? Okay, so Price Pritchett wrote this book called U-Square. And I'm reading this book. So I ordered it. And then somebody sent me a link. My sister-in-law sent me a link to it on YouTube as an audio book. It's like a free audio book. This book is 36 pages. It's my favorite kind of book, by the way. 36 pages. And, like, I listened to the audio book three times. I wrote, I, I read the book once so far. And you can see that when I read it, I didn't just read it, right? I was learning stuff, right? This is one of my favorite three books that I've ever read. It's called U Square, like U to the second power. Now, U Square like you with a number two at the top. Now, don't worry about that right now. Just hear where I'm, like, if you're right, I'll, I'll get you, the name of the book's U Square, it's Price Pritchard. Okay, that's fine. Forget about all that. Like, get the part I'm telling you. This is what I'm sharing with you, okay? When I read the book, it made me realize why people who struggle keep struggling and why people who succeed keep succeeding effortlessly. Like, my first note in that book is people who succeed aren't trying to succeed any more than people who fail are trying to fail. Success and failure are both automatic. Like, it just, how? It's just automatic. And when I read the book, he didn't teach me how to do anything. The book didn't teach me how to do anything. It just showed me that the way I've done all the things I've ever done successfully, I did them because I became the person, watch this now, here's the nugget. I became the person who took ownership of the result before I knew how I was going to do it. Let that hit you in the head. Yeah, you can clap for that. So, so... Russell, see, if Russell decides, everybody say decide. Decide. If Russell decides to do something, he is going to do it. Even if he doesn't know how. If Julie decides to do something, she is going to do it. Even if she doesn't know how to do it. If, I'm, if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it even if I don't know how to do it. Because we've already taken, before we start any new endeavor, we take ownership of the result before we know the path. 
And until you take ownership of the result, before you know the path, you will never reach the destination. It doesn't matter if it's a million dollars or $100,000 or $10,000. Like in your life, until you become the person who decides, this is for me, I'm going to do this, and it's going to work for me just like it works for everybody else. Until you become that person, it's not going to happen. And so for me, like I was, I was, I was sharing this, if, it's like if I decide that I'm going to drive from back home to Tampa, right, from Phoenix, and say, I'm not going to fly back. I don't like planes anymore. I'm going to drive, right? And somebody says, Myron, when are you going home? Well, I'm going I'm to be leaving soon. When are you leaving? I'm going to leave as soon as I can see the Florida state line. When do I get home? Exactly. I never get home. And if those of you who are waiting to learn the thing that's going to make you the million dollars before you take ownership of the result, you're never going to get there. So here's what I want to say to you. Like, take this result and say, I don't know how, not sure when, but I'm going to decide that it's going to be by Funnel Hacking Live 2019, right? I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to keep working at the things that will make this happen until I figure that right formula. See, Russell already explained it in his whole introduction. I don't even know if you realize that. Like when you're explaining that whole thing about, I wrote the book, and then uh, it wasn't good enough, then I started teaching. Does that make sense? No, it didn't make sense. So what he did, he created the concept. He was teaching it. While he was teaching it, he could see the confusion in people's face, which helped him clarify, which means he didn't understand how he was going to write the book or even teach the course before he started teaching it. He just started teaching it. It became evident as he was doing it. Whoa. And like you, like the, edu- the miseducational, misdirectional system, the government indoctrination camps, I think they call them schools. Is that what they call them out here? I'm, 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 I wasn't supposed to say something like that. Okay. Anyway, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I think they call it school. But anyway, the, miseducation, the miseducational system, the misdirectional system that gets you looking over here when life is over here, that system made you believe that knowing right answers is the way to success because you'll get success in school. Success in school is not success in life. Life doesn't care how many A's you have. It cares how many Benj- Benjamins you have, right? It doesn't care. Like, like money doesn't fix all of your problems. It doesn't. Money can't, money can't buy you everything, but most of the problems that you have right now that cause you frustration, money will fix them, like 99% of them. And then you can at least have time to think about how to figure out the ones money can't solve. So, so, <laughs> so I, said, I said Russell decides, right? Julie decides, Myron decides. Can I, can I break down decide really quick? Do you want me to do that? Heck okay, yeah. so this will help you so much. The word decide. Everybody say it, decide. Decide. So <laughs> there are a lot of truisms out there that aren't true, okay? Like one of the truisms that I really hate, I'll, I'll give you three of them just because, you know, one thing, three secrets. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you three. <laughs> I'm give you three of them. One a truism that I hate that isn't true, time is money. That's not true. That's a lie. If you go through life believing time is money, what you'll do is you'll waste a whole bunch of your time, you'll sell a whole bunch of your time for a little bit of somebody else's money. So time is not money. Everybody got it? Say, I got it. It's the first truism that I'd love to go into great detail on that. Not right now. So y'all just listen fast. Okay. So the next truism that isn't true is people love to buy, but they hate to be sold. How many of y'all heard somebody say that? (laughs) Spell that one. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you the truth about the matter. Everybody ready? Here's the truth. Say, tell me the truth, Myron. Tell me the truth, Myron. Here's the truth. People love to buy and they love to be sold. How many of you are excited about that? Not only do people love to buy and they love to be sold, but what people hate 
is they hate to be convinced. See, most people think that selling is convincing, but selling is not convincing. Selling is persuading. Persuasion is the opposite of convincing. And when you, start, when you learn how to persuade, you don't have to convince anymore. The reason you don't like selling is because you think it's talking somebody into doing something they don't desire to do. You know why? Because you think it's convincing. I'm going to give you the definition of both. So the definition of, of convincing, attempting to get somebody to do something you desire them to do for your reasons. Did I say that too fast? I'll say it one more time. Convincing, which most people mistakenly think is selling and it's not selling at all, convincing is attempting to get somebody to do something you desire them to do for your reasons. What is persuasion? Persuasion is helping somebody make a decision they already desire to make for their own reasons. People love to buy. How many of you, when you get paid next time, you already know something you're ready to buy? How many of you, when you get into the two comma club, you already know something you're going to buy? See, people love to buy, and they love to be sold. Like, when I want to buy something, like, I want somebody to come buy and sell it to me. Even if I don't want to buy something, I want somebody to sell it to me. I like watching salespeople sell stuff, right? So people love to buy, and they love to be sold. So, now, here's the other, here's the other truism that isn't true. Three birds just sitting on, I, I just hate, I, like, it wasn't that good the first time, time somebody said it, and it was worse every time after that. <laughs> like, if three birds are sitting on a fence, and two of them decide to fly away, how many are left? How many of y'all heard this before, right? And what do they say? How many are left? They say three are left because they decided and they didn't do it. Eh, Wrong answer, but we do have some nice consolation prizes for you in the back. (laughs) The reality is, if two of them decide to fly away, there's one left. Because when you make a real decision, you always do it. Now, you might make a choice and not do it, but if you make a decision, you will always do it. Decide means, it comes from the Latin root day and then side. Day means from or of. Side means to cut. So when you, make, when you decide something, you cut yourself off from every other possibility. So I'm going to ask Russell to come over here and help me with this illustration, if you will. Okay. So, like, in ancient times, they had this concept called a covenant. And this is going to help you. How many, how many, how many of you, when you're, and be honest, don't be impressive, just be honest. This is, I'm, we're here to help you, right? So how many of you, like, in your life, uh, in your business, sometimes you lack confidence in your business? confidence. Okay. So the word confidence, okay. I'm like, do you think he lacks confidence? No. Right. Do I like, no. Right. Okay. So why do people lack confidence? People lack confidence because the the, the word confidence means to confide in. The word confide means to do what? To trust. Somebody said, I heard somebody say the word confide means to trust. When people don't have confidence, they don't trust themselves. Or they don't trust the principles they're working under. There's, some, there's a lack of trust. That's why people don't have confidence. See, he has confidence because he knows what's going to happen. He trusts the perfect webinar process. He trusts the expert secrets process. He trusts the dot-com secrets process. He trusts the two-comma club X process. Do you understand that? So he trusts the process, and he trusts himself because he keeps his word. So in ancient times, there, there's this concept called a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. Now, the word covenant means to cut. That's what it means. It literally means to cut. So what Russell and I are going to do, here, hold that for me. Russell and I are going to illustrate what a covenant means, and I'm going to show you how to develop confidence by learning how to trust yourself, okay? So let's say Russell and I are going to become covenant brothers, right? So start over there, Russell. I'm going to start over here. And so let's say Russell has a cow and I've got a cow, (laughs) right? So let's lead our cow to this place right here in the middle. We lead our cow, and Russell and I decide we're going to, we decide, we we what? 
decide we're going to enter into a covenant together. And so this is my cow that I've raised from a calf. That's his cow that he's raised from a calf. We love the cow, but, you know, it's, it's time to kill it. So turn around, use your knife, and kill your cow. Kill your cow. Cut it up in pieces. Put it in a pile. Turn this way and do it right here. Put it in a pile. Now, if Rus- there we go. So Russell's got, Russell's got the carcass of a dead animal right here in front of him. I've got the carcass of a dead animal right here in front of me. I've got the carcass of a dead animal right here in front of me. If he and I were going to enter into a covenant together and we are going to become covenant brothers, we'd walk around the cow, go ahead and walk around it, and then come back in the middle face-to-face, either way. Okay, you go, he's going to go that way. This is called walking a figure eight. So we walk a figure eight. We're looking at the brutality of this animal that we owned and that we loved. We come back in the middle. Russell takes his knife in his left hand, and he cuts his right hand like this. And I do the same thing. We put our hands together, bind them together with a rope. His blood would become my blood. My blood would become his blood. Remember the blood brother things we used to stick a pin in our finger? How many of y'all remember that? Okay, don't do that anymore. (laughs) Anyway, his blood becomes my blood. My blood becomes his blood. We become covenant brothers and we exchange covenant vows. So here's what the covenant vows look like. I'm going to put this in my pocket for a hot second. You can keep yours for So we become covenant brothers. So my, my name, after that we exchange these covenant vows, my name becomes Myron Russell Golden. His name becomes Russell Myron Brunson. We become covenant brothers. So I'm saying to him when we enter this covenant, Russell, I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to give my resources. I'm going to give my knowledge. I'm going to give my money. I'm going to give my very life, if necessary, to protect you and your family. He's saying to me he's going to give his time, his resources, his effort, his energy, his money, his life, if necessary, to protect me and my family. And then what we're saying, turn around and point at your cow. We're, saying, we're both saying, if I don't keep my word to you, may what happened to that animal happen to me. And he's saying that too. Oh, yeah. If, yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Say, if I don't keep my word to you. If I don't keep my word to you, Myron. What, may what happened to this animal happen to me. May what happened to this animal happen to me. Now, remember Russell told the story about, are you proud of it? So now he made a covenant with me. I made a covenant with him. So now... All of my resources are at his disposal. All of his resources are at my disposal. Why? Because we made a covenant arrangement with each other, and we've promised on our own lives to keep our word with the other person. Say, Myron, why'd you tell us that story? Myron, why'd you tell us that story? No, I was saying, I wasn't telling you to ask me that. (laughs) But anyway, you did. Okay, so here's why. Because in what they call societies of honor, they still practice the covenant. That's why if a samurai, or if a samurai like, misses his post, he'll fall on his sword. Why? Because he's in a covenant relationship with everybody else who's a samurai. Right? Here's why I told you that story. Because you deserve, everybody say, I deserve. I deserve. You deserve to become a person who doesn't just make choices, but you make decisions, which is like making a covenant with yourself. And I'm going to keep my word to myself, and I'm going to take ownership of this result, And I'm going to do it, even if I don't know how. I'm going to learn how on the way. And if I don't keep my word to myself, then may what happened to this animal happen to me. That's the kind of decisions you deserve to start making so that you can end up in the Two Comma Club, the Two Comma Club X program. Take ownership of the result before you know the path. There's a reason our GPS doesn't give us all the instructions at one time and then shut off. It just tells us the next thing to do. Become the person who is headed in the right direction 
open to learning the secrets that will get you there as you're doing it. Last thing I'm going to say, remember I talked about King Solomon back in Funnel Hacking Live? One of the reasons King Solomon said he wrote the book of Proverbs, he said to receive, receive instruction of wisdom. Now, most people think wisdom is smarts, right? Wisdom, wisdom doesn't mean smart. It doesn't mean high IQ. It doesn't mean educated. The word wisdom means skill. And skill, skill is an action word. Like, it's you're doing something, right? Wisdom is the stuff. To receive wisdom from instruction means to learn the things that you can only learn while you are doing the thing. It doesn't matter how much Julie teaches you. It doesn't matter how much Stephen coaches you. It doesn't matter how much John shows you how to do ads. It doesn't matter how much business strategy Alex Sharfman shows you. Until you become the person who takes ownership of the result and says, I will learn it while I'm doing it, that result won't belong to you. And you deserve it to belong to you. So make a covenant with yourself. Start to trust yourself and cut yourself off from all other possibilities. Thank you. Russell? here can listen to Myron preach all day long and just, because I'd love to go back to my room and take a nap. Just kidding. All right. So good. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to add one more piece to that and then we're going to jump into the framework. Um, so, and I've talked about this a lot recently in a couple different places. I talked about inner circle and everyone was like, oh, I talked about it on a couple other spots. Um, but I want to lead with this. I know some of you guys have heard, and some of my stories, some of you guys have heard before, but it's context needs to be set up other things later on. So just bear with me during some of those ones, and maybe you'll learn something new in the process. But um, I was hanging out with Dan Sullivan a little while ago. How many of you guys know who Dan Sullivan is? He owns a company called Strategic Coach, and, um, and uh, we were at this, uh, this event with him, and everyone was talking and hanging out, doing a bunch of stuff, and he was like, hey, can I have five minutes to explain a concept. He's like, in my 40 years of coaching entrepreneurs, there's one thing that I've shared that's helped more entrepreneurs than anything else ever. And if I can share this, it's going to change everybody's life. And so we're like, please, Dan, say whatever you want. So he runs up to the whiteboard and he doodles out this thing in like three minutes, shares it and walks away. And we're like, those mic drop moments. And I want to share with you guys, because I think it's going to help some of you guys who have been struggling, who've been stuck. Okay. Um, those of you guys who came to the boys event, when we came to the office, I shared this as well, but I, I want to keep sharing it um, because it's, it's something that's really good. So this is what happens to a lot of us, right? So here is you guys, right? You're an entrepreneur, you're excited, you want to change the world, and you have this big vision of like, this is what I want to do. Here is the vision, what I want to create, who I want to change, how I want to do it, right? And we see this vision, we're like, oh, I know exactly what it is, what Myra's talking about before, right? We see it, we know what it is, and so we start on this path, and we start going towards the vision, we start moving, and then all of a sudden, as we're moving that way, we're going, we're going, we're going, all of a sudden we get stuck because something hits us right here, right? Something blocks us. And we look at this thing, we're like, ah, how do I do that? Have you guys ever said that before? Have you ever said that in the, during this program? Right, you hit and you're like, ah, how do I do that? How? I don't know how to do that, right? You say how. And then what happens, as soon as you say how, you're like, oh, I gotta figure out how. And then you go, and you go into YouTube, and you start watching videos, you start searching, you're going on conference calls, you're talking to your friends, and all these things are happening. Because you can't figure out the how, you start going on this horrible, horrible loop of procrastination. Okay? How many of you have ever been in that spot or in that spot right this very second? Everyone's like, ah, okay. That's what happens to most of us, right? And it derails us from our vision of what we're trying to create because we get stuck into the how. Okay? Now, if I can teach you guys this, every time I'm teaching you something and you're listening to it, if you just like, I don't know how to do that, 
I want you to stop. And instead of saying, how, uh, Russell, I don't know how to run a Facebook ad. I want you to remember, Russell doesn't know either. And instead of saying, how do I do this? Stop and say, who knows how to do this? Better question, right? Who? Who knows how to do this? And for me, I was like, oh, John knows how to do it. And John runs Facebook ads for me. And then I'm like, oh, I need to do this thing. I'm like, ah, I get stuck in how, but if I got stuck in how, we wouldn't be at $100 million in three years. Instead, I'm like, ah, who knows how to do this? And I find a who, who knows the how. That way I don't have to figure out the how. I find the who, and then the who gets us closer and closer and faster to our vision. Okay, so the question you need to be asking yourself when you get something, I don't know how to do that. Don't stop and think, okay, I'm going to go learn this thing. Say, who is it that knows how to do this? Find the who, who knows the how, and you will move yourself towards the vision way faster. Does that make sense? Okay, this is going to happen a lot during this weekend. Like, I don't know how. Don't stress out. You don't need to know the how. Just figure out the who. How many of us think that contractors who build houses know all of the hows about how to build a house? Think they know how to do plumbing? Think they know how to do electrical work? Think they, know to, they don't know how to do most of those things, okay? We've had a lot of contractors recently. And what I found about contractors is they don't know basically anything. Um, <laughs> no offense to any contractors in the room. I'm sure there's one nice one. But most of them are horrible. The only thing contractors know is a whole bunch of who's. And so you give the contractor money, he gets you the who's to build you your house, right? Okay. For some reason, entrepreneurs, we think if I'm going to be successful, I have to learn all of the house to be able to get my vision. That's horrible, right? I don't know most of the hows, but I have a whole bunch of who's. Okay, if you ask me, like, what has made you so successful, Russell? People always ask me all the time in interviews. Like, I've got an amazing team of people. Okay. Over the last 15 years of my life, I've been building up a Rolodex of who's for every single project I have, right? And I went through a lot of bad people. We had to kiss a lot of frogs to get the right people, right? Um, and like, and so I remember back in the day when I was first getting started, I have an idea for like a software product. And I was like, I don't know who can do this. Um, so I would go to like, back then it was called Script Lance, which then became Freelancer. And then anyway, it shifted, but it was a site. And I would go post these little projects and I would, um, I would hire 10, 15, 20 developers at five bucks each to do these little projects for me. I would crank through like, that guy sucked. I don't like him. I couldn't understand a word he said. He communicated and like, this guy was awesome. Like that was so much fun to work with. And then I'd hire him again, I'd hire him again, and I'd put him in my Rolodex. And then designers, I hired a designer, and like, I didn't like it. I hired another designer, I didn't like it. And over like next year, two years, three years, four years, five years, I found a Rolodex of like five or six people that were amazing designers. And I found good copywriters. I found like all the people do all the pieces. I ended up meeting them and connecting. I would go to events like this, and I'd be looking my eyes out like, who are the people that are good at things? And I like, get to know them, and I like, get them into my Rolodex. Okay? And then I started having ideas for projects. All I would do is like, okay, I have a vision. I know exactly what I need to create. Um, who do I know that can do this? Okay. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get Rob to do the logo. I'm going to get Mike to do the copy. I'm going to get so-and-so to do the thing. I'm gonna get, and I'd go and I'd ask all those people to do the things. They'd all go out and do it. I'd sit there and wait, goof off, go to wrestling practice, hang out with my wife. And then I'd come back and everything shows up. I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to actually, this is pre-click funnel. I don't know how to build a funnel. And I'm like, I got Chris on my team. And, he, and so I'd get Chris, here's the logo. Here's everything. He'd plug it all in. And then we'd have a website. We'd launch it and make much money. Okay. So if I can shift you guys from, from how thinking to who thinking right now at the very beginning, this is the key that's going to get you to where you're at. Okay. And most of the who's you guys are looking for are probably in this room right now. Okay. Um, who in here is really good designer? Okay. There's your designers. Who here's really good at writing copy? Who here's really good at webinars? Who's good at building funnels? Who's here's good at driving traffic? Who's here is good at Google ads, Facebook ads, Twitter ads. You can do Twitter ads, I think, right? John, here's my who. Yeah? Okay. We can tweet ads now. Um, Instagram ads. Okay. All the who's are in this room. Everyone's got a superpower. Um, if you try to figure out how to do all this stuff, you're going to be at Funnel Hacking Live 2099, finally getting your award. And I'm going to be like in my wheelchair like, congratulations. It's going to be really weird, right? 
But if you want to get it this year or next year or soon, you have to become a master of this. And some of you guys are like, oh, Russell, I can't afford to hire anybody. Okay, that's okay. Be creative. Think outside the box. Who here thinks that when I was a broke college kid, my wife was making nine fifty an hour. I didn't have a job. I could afford people. I couldn't. Okay, so what did I do? I found really amazing people. I said, I got this vision. This is what I want to create. It's amazing. I'm broke. Can you do this piece? And I will do something for you. I'll give you part of it. I'll do whatever. And they're like, yeah, I'm really good at copy anyway. I'll just do it for you. Oh, I'm really good at this anyway. I'll do it for you. Okay? You don't have to pay some necessarily. If you cast a good vision, the right who's will come to you. Okay? When we launched ClickFunnels and I had the vision, this is what's going to happen. Guess what started happening? I started moving forward as fast as I could. And all of a sudden, all these who's started showing up. John was like, I'll learn ads. Oh, thank heavens, right? I meet Julie. I meet Dave. I meet like all the people on my team started coming. Like it wasn't like we had everything figured out all at the beginning. We just had like an idea, a vision. We started running and the right who started showing up. Okay. And I've seen a lot of you guys in the communities that who have been doing things and having stuff happen. The who starts showing up, right? When you are in motion, that attracts people. And if you're like, I know where I'm going. This is my vision. This is what I'm doing. People will start coming to you. Okay. And you can pay them on percentage of sales. You can pay them equity. There's a million different ways to do it, but just realize you don't have to pay cash. Okay? If you cast the right vision, the who's will come. Todd Dickerson, the co-founder of ClickFunnels, worked for free for me for an entire year. With, with, he didn't even have a vision. It was just like he worked for free, right? The first time I paid him was he was at our office, and I looked at it over his shoulder. I saw his emails, and there were always like, uh, um, people offering him jobs. And they were like $400,000 a year, $650,000, like insane jobs. I'm like, why don't you take those? Like, like I'm literally paying you $0 an hour for your time right now. He's like, cuz I want, I want to do something cool, something big together, right? Can we cast a vision? So if you cast the right vision, the who's will show up. So I wanted to get that now so that as we're doing this stuff, as I'm sharing things, you're not stressing out about, ah, Russell, didn't go deep into that part. I don't know how to do it. You don't need to. You just need to understand the vision, the strategy, where we're going, and then you can find the who's to plug in the pieces. Does that make sense? All right. Okay. Hopefully that'll free some of you guys and keep you from stressing out. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I'm ready to get started. You guys ready to get started? Yeah. I was stressed off my team this morning. I was like, I haven't, I've never taught this stuff before. I'm like, I could be done by 9.30 for all I know. Um, it could go really fast or this could go for like six months. So anyway, we may have early days, late nights. So we have no idea how this is going to go. Okay. First thing we'll talk about is a framework. I'm showing you this for two reasons. Number one is I want to teach you guys a lesson. How many guys are te- how many guys do information products in this, in this room? Okay, like most of the room. Uh, even if you don't, there's going to be times and stuff we need to create information products. Uh, the first thing I do when I create anything is I create a framework to teach off of. Okay, your framework will become your savior. If you're, if, like, I could teach this entire event with this one graphic right here. This is the Traffic Secrets book. I have the same thing for dot-com secrets, the same thing for expert secrets. Like, this is the framework I'm teaching off of. Okay? So if I had nothing else, I could have no slides. I could teach this for two or three days just going through this process, which I'm going to be doing, okay? So what you do is you create a framework. This is what I'm trying to create. This is the vision of what I'm trying to cast. And then you teach the different parts of the framework, okay? And so by the time tomorrow night's done, all these pieces will be filled in. This will make perfect sense. We're going to go deep into each and every single aspect of every single piece of it. But this is what I'm trying to show you guys. If you understand this and how this all works together, this is the traffic secrets. This is how you can grow and scale your company um, by understanding these pieces, okay? So that's the framework. I'm not going to go into big right now, but tonight when we end, I'm going to go through, I'm going to pull the slide back up and I'll be like, okay, so far today we've covered these four things. Tomorrow we're going to cover the next four. And then that, by the time it's done tomorrow night, you'll be like, oh, you, some of you guys are going to tattoo this to your arm. I'm guessing he will, maybe somebody else. <laughs> Actually, we could do this on across your shoulder blades. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I should have said that because now it's going to happen. All right. Okay, let's, 
<laughs> All right, let's jump in. So the first thing I'm going to cover during this first session that I want to go deep into, because um, everyone that starts with traffic, they always start with like, go into the network and then figure and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, traffic. In fact, I almost hate the word traffic. What is traffic? Traffic are people, right? And I want to spend this session talking about people because this is the key. Like you have to understand it's not some magic trick. They're human beings. If you stop looking at them as traffic, start looking at them as humans, it'll change how you do this stuff. It becomes less cryptic when you're like, oh my gosh, it's just humans. Like I can actually do this, right? Um, so the first thing I'm going to go over is uh, what I call your dream customer's journey. Okay? And, um, this, and what we're going to be doing, just so you guys know, this is going to be a workshop time. So I'm going to basically teach a concept. Then we're going to play some music and you're going to actually write in your book, thinking things out. And we're going to teach concept, work things out. So that's kind of the game plan for, um, for this event as well. So, um, all right. So the first thing I wanted to think about, like, um, the first thing you have to figure out before you start any of this, and this goes back before you create a product, before you pick a market, before anything is really identify and figure out like, who is your dream customer, right? How many of you guys read the dot-com secrets book? In the introduction of that book, I talked about how um, I've been running a business for like eight or nine years. And one day I woke up um, and I realized that I hated my customers. And I actually told the full story at, uh, at the Dry Bar Comedy Club because um, it was like in the middle of a huge painful thing where our whole companies were collapsing and everything was there. I remember literally sitting in bed, sick to my stomach because I knew I had to go in. Um, if I didn't, there was a good chance I'd go to jail. And that's a story for another day. Um, and I was just like, I, I want to quit. But if I quit, like, I can't quit because this is my thing. Like, I wish I had a boss who could fire me so I could be free from this. And I don't want to see my customers. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to, like, it, was just, it was such a horrible thing. I remember being sick to my stomach. And, um, and at that time, it was about Christmas time. And I remember uh, right when Christmas was over, Tony Robbins and his wife, Sage, did a video from Namali, which is his resort in Fiji. And in that thing, he talked about, hey, it's, it's the new year. And he said, you know, what's interesting. He said that... Um, you know, people can change anytime they want. They can change today, you can change tomorrow, you can change in October, it doesn't matter. But for some reason in, in, in January, people give themselves a chance to change and to set new resolutions and goals and things like that. And I remember he challenged, he challenged me and he challenged everybody who's watching this video. He said, I challenge you that if you're not happy in your relationship right now, change it. So if you're not happy with your body right now, change it. If you're not happy with whatever it is, just change. If you're not happy with your business, change it. And I remember hearing that. And then we said, like, if you're not happy with your business, change. I remember hearing that. And at first I felt it was like freedom of like, oh my gosh, like I could change it. And then like all the, the demons creeping, like, no, you can't change it. Like all these things. I'm like, ah, I was like, no, I have to, like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. This is going to be a miserable life. I have to stick with this forever. I need to change my customers. Like, what does that look like? And um, about that time, I remember I was listening to Evan Pagan and he was giving a training and he talked about this exercise that he did about figuring out your customer avatar. And it was fascinating. And I remember thinking, like, that popped back in my head. And I was like, if you're going to change your business, you have to change your customers. Okay, fastest way to change your business. Change your business, you got to change your customers. So like, and I was like, well, if, I, if I'm in a spot now where I can actually decide who my customers are, like, what do they look like? What's, like, what are they, like, I got to figure that out. And what Evan said to me and through the training course, he said, go to Google Images and type in, um, like, like, give your person a name. Like, figure out what the person's name is. And then give them all the attributes of, like, who, what that person would look like. And Google image that, and the whole bunch of pictures are going to show up. And look at the person that looks like the person you actually want to serve. And so I remember doing that. I went to Google, and I remember typing in uh, a whole bunch of things. Like, at first, I remember I was looking for, uh, I was like, hey, I want, to, I, want, um, I want to serve, like, and I did this for both men and for women. So um, I did it twice. Here's my female drawing. All right. So I was, like, I, I was, like, very conscious, like, okay. If I could work, like if I could be in a room like this and hang out with like anybody, like who would they look like? I was okay for the men, like 
they would probably be similar to me, right? They're probably going to be like athletic. They did sports in their life one time, they, but they've accomplished something. And like, they're in a spot in life, like, like I had success here, but like, I want to do something bigger, right? So I was like, success in life. Um, I was like, I want someone who, who like has served someone in the past and like has success with it. And they like felt that, that feeling, right? How many of you guys know that feeling I'm talking about? When you serve somebody and have success and you feel that feeling. How many of you guys have felt that before? Who have felt that? And they're like, I want more of that. I didn't want people who were like obsessed, like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to make money? How am I going to, because those people have the wrong motivations. I want people who are in this business, they want to serve. They want to make money, but they want to serve because they felt that one time when they worked with an athlete, they worked with a friend. They worked. So I typed some of these keywords into Google. I remember this, a bunch of pictures popped out and there was this, as I scrolled down, there was this guy's face and I looked down and I was like, that's, that's, that's my guy. I remember um, I called him Mike. I don't even know what his real name is, but it was this, it was, uh, this dude and I took a picture of it. I, I like, printed it out and I, okay, this is, this is my dream customer. I would hang out with this guy all day long. It'd be awesome. And then the same thing for women. I'm like, hey, who would I want from, from, a, from a female customer standpoint? I was like, hey, someone, and I started going through all these different attributes. I Googled it and I found this person, which a couple of you guys in here actually creepily look like her. It's really weird um, how this works. And I printed it out. And I was like, hey, these are my customers. These are who I want to serve. Okay, and that's where I started with. Okay, um, what's interesting is, uh, uh, how many of you guys know Perry Belcher, one of the co-founders of Digital Marketer? Perry's uh, brilliant. I remember I was talking to him one time and he, he, um, he actually invented Purell hand soap. Do you guys know this? So this is the, I'm probably going to slaughter the story, but he was trying to make these liquid candles and he spent like $50,000 in inventory, made these liquid candles and they turned out like you light them on fire and then, and then that stuff's super flammable and it would actually, everything would blow up. And like, he's like, crap, we can't actually do anything with this. And then I had all this money invested in inventory. Like, what do we do with it? And his partner was like, I don't know, but if, if they, like, you wash your hands with it, it sterilizes everything. He's like, huh. So he started putting it in bottles and started like, and he's made this product, started selling it. And they ended up selling it to Perel for like, I don't know, or sold somebody for like a million bucks and then sold it to them for like hundred. Anyway, a kind of crazy story. So next time you like wash your hands with that, thank Perry Belcher. Um, but Perry said when he used to, when he used to work more in retail, he would go into places like Bed Bath & Beyond to try to get his candles in there. And remember, he told me the story. He said, I was, I was going to like, to this, uh, to this meeting. And I walked in. I was like, okay, so um, I, uh, uh, this is our product. And they explained it. And the executives that were listening to him were like, oh, like, I don't know if Julie would like that. And like, they explained some more. Like, oh, yeah, I don't think Julie, yeah, Julie would like that part. And he's listening to this thing. He's like, who's Julie? Can we just get Julie in the room so I can talk directly to her? Like, she sounds like she's the decision maker in this thing. And they kind of laughed. They said, no, 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 Julie's our, our customer avatar. We make all of our decisions based on if Julie would actually buy this. She's not a real person. She's fictitious. But that's how they looked at it from this huge, this huge company, right? I think for a lot of us, we got to get back into that mindset of like, who is our dream customer? Like, who do we actually want to serve? Because if you don't know who that person is, it's really hard to find them. Okay? It's hard to like throw a dart and hit a target if you have no idea what the target actually is. Okay? So what I want you guys to do right now, I want you to spend a few minutes in your pad of paper there, and I want you to write the top customer avatar, right? Customer avatar, and then make it a line down the middle of like male and female on both sides. Unless you're just serving females or just males, that's totally cool as well. But I want you to start thinking through like, what are the attributes of the person that you would love to serve every single day? Or if you're sitting in a room with them, you would light up, you would like stay to like five o'clock in the morning, hanging out, helping them because like you love that person so much. Okay? We're going to spend like uh, two minutes really quick, just writing as many things as you can think of, just write down as quick as you can, and then we'll come back after that. All right? Ready, go. I should stay strong, but I'm weak. And what's wrong with that? Boy, oh boy, I love it when I fall through that. I'm weak. And what's wrong with that? Boy, oh boy, I love it when I fall through that. I'm weak. But I'm weak. And what's wrong? 
They call me after dark. I don't want no part. My habits, they hold me like a grudge. I promise I won't budge. One sip, bad for me. One hit, bad for me. One kiss, bad for me. But I give in so easily. And no thank you is how it should have gone. I should stay strong. But I'm weak. And what's wrong with that? Boy, oh boy, I love you when I fall through that. I'm weak. And what's wrong with that? Boy, oh boy, I love you when I fall through that. I'm weak. 30 more seconds. Ten seconds. Finish writing. One zip. Bad for me. One hit. Bad for me. All right. Ken, how many of you guys heard me talk about this before in the past? How many of you guys have actually ever done this before in the past? Good job. Awesome. Um, this question changed my life. Okay, after listening to Tony Robbins thing and thinking through this, I changed my customer and then everything shifted for me. I sat down and I was like, Everything I'm selling right now would completely repel these people. They would never come near me with, a th- with like a 10-foot pole. I was like, crap. No wonder I hate my customers. Like the things, like everything I'm selling now repels the people I want and doesn't attract them. Like, so now I started thinking like, well, what could I create that actually would attract those people? Right? I was thinking about fishing. Like I'm not a f- I went fishing once. Anyway, it was a story from the day. But like when you're fishing, right? Like if you're trying to catch different fish, you change the bait, right? Like if I'm trying to catch a trout versus a shark. I don't know. There's different bait, right? So it's the same thing here. So it's like, if I want to attract these people, I want to catch them. What is the bait I got to create? We spent two or three weeks trying to figure out what do we have? Like, there's nothing we've ever created in the past that these people would like. Like what in the world am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to start over. Tony Robbins told me to change. I can't, like, I know who I want, but I don't want to change my business. And I started looking at like everything we had done in the past. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I bet what these people would actually be interested, not the, all the products I'd sold in the past, They'd be interested in like the split tests that I'd done. Like actual entrepreneurs would be like wondering what headline worked the best, what thing. And I started looking at like, what if we created a product that just shared all of the data, all the weird stuff that we did? I know that my existing customers wouldn't know what that was and they would be repelled by it, which is good because I hated them. And my dream customers would, I think it was crack cocaine. In fact, this is awkward. Okay. So (laughs) this is so awkward. I can't even be starting to say it, but I have to now because I started and the cameras are rolling and like, We'll probably edit this out later, but um, all right. So what we did is we went and uh, how many of you guys bought the 108 split test book? Okay. That was the first product. That's what shifted my customers. Okay. All my old customers would have been repelled by that book. And all of you guys were like, what, what are you kidding me? Blue background versus brown background. That's exciting, right? Okay. My dream customers all were excited. So we went through all of our old campaigns and split test everything and put together a book of 108 of our best split tests, put them in a book and we launched it out there. It was crazy. And one day I got somebody, uh, she was a female. So she was like my, my, she, this was her. And she took a picture of it and she posted and she tagged me. It was on Facebook or it was Facebook back then. And she said, he said, Russell Brunson's 108 split test is like looking at porn for entrepreneurs. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is weird. So, um, <laughs> So weird, but 
I got the right bait. You shift your bait, you shift your customers, okay? So if you don't know who these people are, you can't ask the right questions. So you have to understand that this is what I actually want, who I want to serve. And then the next question is like, what do I create that will attract those people to us? What is this something where they see they're like, that's like porn for me, right? That's what you want to be able to create. Don't use that ever as a soundbite because that will just come out weird in some video someday. Anyway, um, but that's, that's the thing, right? The reason we have to understand that is we have to understand what we're going to create for them, okay? All right, next thing I want to talk about is now that we're kind of looking at these people, you have to understand that people are coming to you at all different, different times of their life, right? So I like kind of mapping out a customer timeline. This is the timeline of like the events of their life, right? And, uh, and the next thing I want to talk, I want to show is, this is also in the, in the um, Dotcom Secrets book. This is cold, warm, and hot. Okay, so this concept came from a guy named Gene Schwartz. He's um, one of the old, old school marketers, no longer live, was developing all this stuff before there was an internet um, back in direct mail days. And he said something that was super, super profound. So what Gene Schwartz said, I'll read it to you and then I'll explain it a little bit better. He said, if your prospect is aware of your product and realizes that it satisfies his desire, your headline will start with your product, okay? If he's not aware of your product, but only the desire itself, your headline starts with the desire. If he's not really aware of what he seeks, but is concerned only with the general problem, then your headline starts with that problem and crystallizes into a specific need. Okay, kind of complicated. Um, but basically what he's saying is, if your customer has no idea what in the world, all they know is like they're in pain, like, ah, okay? You're not going to come and say, hey, you should buy ClickFunnels. Like, what? But I'm going to say, hey, you're in pain. How would you like to make money on the internet? And like, oh my gosh, like, yes. Okay, if I sell this person ClickFunnels, they get repelled when they're cold, right? But if I say, hey, do you want to make money? Like, yes. Okay, now if they're in this stage of life where like they've been trying to make money online, they've been looking at stuff, they've looked at some of your competitors, looked at stuff, then they understand, um, they understand uh, the problem, like the problems I need to have a website, I need to have a funnel, I need, you know, things like that, then I speak to them differently, right? So over here, it's like, do you want to make money? And over here, it's like, hey, do you want to build a website? And then if they come here and they're hot, it's like, hey, websites are dead, like you need a funnel, Right? So people go through this time continuum where, where they're different stages in their life. Okay? So what's interesting is if somebody's really, really hot right here, I'm going to use different language patterns to sell them. Right? I can, in this room right now, you guys are like my hot audience. Right? You came to Funnel Hacking Live. You signed up for the coaching program. You flew here. We're hanging out. Like, like you guys are like the cream of the crop. Right? I could almost like just do a horrible job and sell you guys anything right now. You'd probably end up buying it. How many of you guys agree with that? I'm not selling anything this weekend. I'm so mad at myself. Like, should we sell something? Like, what do you guys want? Let's make it, right? So like, anyway, so your hot audience, this is the best. This is like, your goal is to get people here and to warm them up, make them hot. Because when they're your own audience, like it becomes easier. You can be worse at selling. You can be like, because your people love you, right? And so it's better. So like, this is the goal is to get people hot, right? But um, if I'm going to go online and no one's ever heard of funnels, right? I'm going to my warm market. They're fans of Tony Robbins. So they're warm, but they're not hot. If I talk about funnels, nothing's going to happen. Okay, if I can go to Tony's audience and, and speak differently and be like, hey, Tony, we built this cool thing called a funnel for Tony. It was amazing. And like, his people will be excited and then I can get them into my world and I can warm them up and they will become warm traffic. How many of you guys came into my world because you saw, you came to, in my world through a Tony Robbins connection somehow? Cool. She saw me on one of his videos, saw an interview, you saw something, but you saw Tony first and then I warmed you up and then we got you into this room now, right? So I'm moving people and sending them, okay? 
cold traffic, the way I look at cold, and we're not going to spend too much time in cold traffic. I want you guys to understand this because cold traffic is way different. In fact, a lot of you guys, um, I see it all the time. Like my, my, my customers buy through my funnels and I buy, Facebook they buy, they buy through my funnels, but I go like deeper, nobody buys, like it stops converting. And the reason why is because you have to like speak to people differently at all stages. So I always think about this, like cold audience. Imagine you went to, um, to the food court here at the mall. Is there a big mall here? Assuming there is. Imagine you go to the food court at the mall and you walk out there during lunchtime and there's like 800 people eating at like Chick-fil-A and McDonald's and everything, right? And you're like, okay, this is my target audience. They're basically everybody. And so you pull up a chair, you step up on the thing, and from the top of your lungs, you yell, how many of you guys in here want a funnel? <laughs> that's what cold audiences is, right? I'm like, why is nobody raising their hands? Why? And they're like, funnel cakes? Like, I think that's over there, right? Okay, but that's how most of you, if you're targeting cold, you're doing it is you're using these phrases and these words they don't even understand, right? So if I want to be successful and in the food court, you're like, what will these people actually listen to? What are they going to raise their hand? What's the hook that's going to grab them? So I stand up on the thing in front of the table. I'll be like, okay, um, how many of you want to get rich quick on the internet? And they'll be like, oh, and like, that's the message that would clever to the masses, right? And I can bring them in and I can warm them up and I can make them hot. But you have to speak differently at every single phase. Okay, so as we talk about this weekend, I'm going to talk about like, if you're targeting hot, you have different ads, different landing pages, different offers. If you're targeting warm, it's different ads, different landing pages, different offers. If you're in cold, it's different as well. Okay? Um, but the goal to all of them is to send them up and move them to, to become your hot audience. That's, that's the best. And that's when this, this game becomes way easier. And we'll go into that more. Okay? All right. So that's one thing you understand because, um, yeah. And I'm going to draw these little things here. So this is like, there's going to be different landing page offer, things like that, at every single phase of this, of this journey. So it's interesting because like, how many of you guys have, how many of you guys have one funnel that you drive all your traffic to? How many of you guys have two, three, four, five? How many think ClickFunnels has? <laughs> I'm kind of addicted to creating funnels. It might be an issue I created myself, but um, anyway. Okay. So people are sending, they're moving through this process, right? Now, a couple things to understand is... Um, if anyone's ever studied NLP, which is a fascinating thing to do someday, but NLP, they talk about like how humans make decisions, right? And most all of us make decisions based on uh, one of two things. Either we're trying to move away from pain. So we're in pain, we're trying to get out of that pain, right? So there's people that are in your, in your world who are trying to move uh, away from pain. Okay. So the example of that, if, uh, if you're in the weight loss market, the people who like, they feel overweight, they're in pain and they like, and one of those because they don't want to feel crappy anymore, right? If you're in the how to make money world, like I'm, I'm miserable, I hate my boss, I hate my job, I'm trying to get out of pain. That's their primary motivator, right? So initially, most of the people you're connecting with, they're trying to get out of pain. Okay, so I'm speaking to them differently. After you get here and you help somebody, my doodles aren't going to fit exactly the same as over here. So I'm going to go, this is, this is the way from pain. In the middle here, where you are introduced to them, you're going to do something called opportunity switch. I'm going to go into that in a second. But then the next phase, then the next thing is then you're moving people towards towards pleasure. Okay. Um, now what's interesting is that primarily most people make their decisions based on one of those things. Um, some people make their decisions trying to move away from pain and some people move toward wanting to move towards pleasure, right? So towards pleasure would be like, I want to get ripped six pack abs. So all the girls will want me because I want pleasure. That's why I'm doing this thing. Right. Other people like, uh, in the business world, like, Oh, I want to make, I want to, I want a mansion. I want a, uh, my own Ferrari, I want my Lamborghinis, whatever. Like that's moving towards pleasure. So people make decisions based on different things. Okay. Now when someone's in pain, they're more likely to make decisions to get them out of pain. When they're out of pain, they're more likely to make decisions to move, move towards pleasure. Okay. What's fascinating, if you think about this, um, uh, in fact, I'm curious, think about this for yourselves right now. How many of you guys make most of your decisions right now because you're trying to move away from pain? How many of you guys are in that spot in your life right now? 
Okay? How many of us make most of your decisions because you want to move towards pleasure? Fascinating. Yeah, this room is higher. It's more heavily slanted towards pleasure. And one thing entrepreneurs make a big mistake of is when they're doing ads and doing landing pages and all this kind of stuff is that most typically entrepreneurs make more decisions moving towards pleasure. Not always. Depends on what phase you are in your life. But the thing is that we assume that that's what our customers are doing too. So we're driving ads and creating landing pages, making offers. They're talking about how to get pleasure, how to be exciting. But the masses, if you were to go to the food court at the mall, I guarantee you it would be 99% of people are back here are moving out of pain. They're miserable. That's why they would even entertain what you're trying to say, right? So if I'm advertising these people, I'm talking about moving towards pleasure, none of them are going to hear it. Even here, no one's going to hear it. When they start getting warm and you've, you've helped them, then it's like, then those messages start moving towards pleasure and more exciting, Okay. Two comma club message resonates really, really well here with you guys, right? Because you're moving towards pleasure. I'm being two comma club, two comma club X. Like this, that message works really good here. Back here doesn't work nearly as good, okay? Because people are out of pain. They're like, two comma club? I hate my boss. I don't want to go in tomorrow. So if I speak to that, they're more likely to connect with me, okay? So understanding that piece of it. Okay, now in the middle here, this is where you are, this is, this is like where you have a chance to actually serve them, okay? So I'm going to draw a thing right here. I'm going to actually draw... This person. So this person that, you're t- that you find right here, right? They're going and saying you're messing up and eventually they become your person. And then um, now they're like your hot traffic, right? And you have a chance to like work with them. So right here, this thing right here, this is where we're doing something we call an opportunity switch. I'm going to go deeper in this um, probably after lunch. Um, but if you read the Expert Secrets book, I talk a lot about opportunity switches. How many of you guys remember what opportunity switch is? Okay, for those who don't, a really quick recap. Um, when I'm presenting an offer to someone, what most people do is they, 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 um, they make an offer, what we call an improvement offer. An improvement offer means like, hey, I'm going to help you get better, stronger, faster. Usually there's an ER and an improvement offer, okay? The problem with improvement offers is that somebody has to admit that they suck at something to be able to buy your thing, which is really hard for us humans to do. Even privately behind our computer, we don't want to admit like, oh man, I need to buy this thing because I suck at this. It's really hard. There's a whole bunch of other psychological reasons as well. Um, a new opportunity, an opportunity switch, when we're like moving them from an opportunity to something different, we're saying, look, it's not your fault. Okay, you've tried these other things in the past to get out of pain and they didn't work because it wasn't your fault. It was something else. I'm going to shift you to some, to, shift you into my opportunity. Okay, so for example, I look at the customers that, I'm, that, I, that I work with, right? Imagine this. This is a vehicle and they're in this car and they see this result. Like, I want to get up there at the top of the mountain where I have financial freedom. That's what they're looking for, right? And they're in a car right now. Let's say the car that they happen to be in is real estate, right? And they're like, I'm going on this thing. I'm trying to get them out. I'm going to like flip houses. It's going to be amazing, right? So that's the vehicle they're doing to try to get financial freedom. Okay. If I come to like, oh, cool. You're flipping houses. Cool. I teach flipping houses too, but like I show like an easier way to do it or it's better. Like some people might come to you, but it's a hard, it's like, well, I'm already, I'm already in the car and like, I'll get there eventually. Like I'm, I'm good. It's a hard pitch. Yet most people are making improvement offers. Okay. If I want these people to freak out and to drop everything and come to me, I can't come in and be like, yeah, it's, it's, it's similar. I'd say, look, that vehicle you're in, it sucks. You need to get out of it. I've got this other vehicle over here. It's called Funnels. Oh my gosh. Like, it's insane. You're going to love it. It's way better. We'll get you there faster. You'll have a better time. More cool people to hang out with. It's going to be awesome. And if I can convince them of that, there's an opportunity switch. They're switching from this opportunity to get their result to a different opportunity. Okay, whenever I create any ad, any offer, any, anything, I'm thinking through this of like, is this an improvement offer? If it is, it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to get everybody excited. If it's a new opportunity, if it's an opportunity switch, I'm switching them from their current opportunity to a new one. That's what lights them up. Okay, I'm going to go deeper into this later on uh, as, we, as we dig deeper, but that's what's happening right here. They're coming here, they're getting out of pain, and you're switching them into your new opportunity, okay? 
Every business should have one and only one opportunity switch. If you have multiple opportunity switches, you will give your people um, schizophrenia. In fact, if you look at my, how many of you guys have been following me for more than 10 years? How many of you guys in the early years got schizophrenia from me? Because guess what I got really good at? Create new opportunities, okay? I was like, oh my gosh, guys, this is the greatest thing in the whole world. You should check this out. And people are like, he looks excited. Let's go over there. And they all run to my thing and I get him this new opportunity. I'd be like pumped and excited. And then I get the shiny objects and I'm like everybody else. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh my gosh, look at this. And I come over here. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm like, okay, everyone guess what? Check out this thing over here. And everyone's like, but you said this is awesome. I'm like, it is awesome, but look at this. And I like, come over here, come over here. It's like, okay. And they come over here and then I'm like all excited. And then I'm I, they're there, I'm serving that level. And all of a sudden I look over, I'm like, oh my gosh, what? Hold on guys. Oh, and I freak out again. And then the, by the second or third time, they're like, every single week, Russell's got a new thing he's trying to switch me into. And they start leaving. They're getting schizophrenic. Like, hey, I can't trust this guy. Everything he says is the greatest thing in the world, right? When we launched ClickFunnels, my biggest fear myself personally, my team as a whole was just like, can Russell focus on funnels for forever? <laughs> right? And I was like, can I, can I? And luckily, I'm four years in, you guys should be impressed. You should see me like old ADD Russell. I was like all over the place, right? But if you look at this, if you come into my world, have I ever deviated from that? You come to my world, I'm like, funnels are the greatest thing in the world, right? Now you're in my world. I have opportunities to switch you from whatever opportunity you were in before. Like, this is the best way to financial freedom. And I, I believe a billion percent of my mind it is. Okay, that's what I'm so passionate about. Like, I don't think there's any opportunity better than where you guys are at today. That's why I sell so hard. That's why I push so hard. That's why I get you guys here. That's why, like, we're going crazy. Like, because I believe it so deep in my soul. Okay, so that's why we did that, right? So I opportunity switch. Now that you've opportunity switch, now inside of that, we create what we call a value ladder. Do I want to go through value ladder right now? I think I do. Yes. Okay, so you've read Dotcom Secrets. Dotcom Secrets 101, right? Now my goal in business is to create more value for people, okay? I create a value ladder. I'm ascending them up, okay? Um, the first time I ever started teaching this, man, it was probably 10 years ago. The first time I, like, I saw it, I started, watching, I started watching it with really good businesses. And what they would do is they would, send, they would ascend people, right? So what a value ladder is, is basically imagine this, and there's like an axis right here, right? Where this axis is like, there's a big dollar sign of how much money somebody's giving you. And over here is a big axis that says uh, value, how much value they're getting, right? So what happens is if somebody comes into your world and you opportunity switch them and you give them like a phenomenal, insanely amazing experience, what happens? Can you think about this um, back, for those of you guys who are still single, you're probably in this, for those of you who are married, remember back when you first met your spouse the very first time, right? So my wife's Colette. She's beautiful. She's not here today, so I can tease her behind her back. And she's probably not going to watch the recordings. She doesn't know what this funnel thing is, so I can say whatever I want at this point. As long as you guys don't tell her, okay? All right. So I met Colette the very first time, right? And uh, I see her. She's beautiful. I'm like, man, she's cute. I want to ask her on a date. Finally, I get the guts up to um, um, make a poster board and drop it in her house and ring the doorbell and run away and ask her on a date. <laughs> That's literally how I did it. I'm so sad. Uh, People are like, Russell's not really an introvert. No, I really am. I didn't even dare ask my wife on a date. I had to do it through like spamming her. Like that's literally what I did. I spammed my wife for a date, right? So she gets the spam on her front porch and she's like, oh, and my wife's six years older than me. So she's like, oh, that cute little kid. That's weird that he wants to go on a date with me. And I'm like, all right, let's go on it. So she decides to go on a date with me and like we go through this experience. We have dinner, we have a good time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I received value from that exchange, right? I was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to feel this way again, right? So I asked her on the second date, and I had another great experience. I'm like, I feel amazing. I want to ask her on a date again. And I kept feeling these things, right? 
And as we felt it, um, we kept moving our relationship to the next stage, right? And then we get engaged, then we get married, and then we get kids, and we got five kids. We have five kids. And then we keep going, right? And like, this is the, the progression, right? So think about it. The same thing's happening with your customers, right? Somebody comes into your world, and I guarantee if you guys came into my world the very first time you bought my book, you're like, this book sucks. None of you guys be in this room today, right? So I have to think, like, how do I give someone so much value so when they enter into my world, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel good. I need more of this. I want more value. Okay? If they do that, they're naturally looking for like what, like what else? I need more. I need more of this feeling. I want to feel it again. Okay, when Tony Robbins came to Fun Hacking Life uh, two years ago, he said something that had such a profound impact on me. He said, everything we do in this life is because of a feeling. I was like, no, no, no. There's, there's other reasons why we do things. And he's like, no, it's because of a feeling. Think about it. Why did um, you guys come here today? You're hoping to get a feeling, right? Why do you just eat the food you eat? Hoping for a feeling. Why do you not eat the food that you want to eat? Because you want to look good and get that feeling, right? Why do you show up for your kids? Why do you go to school? Why do you come to business? Why do you read books? Like everything we're doing is because of a feeling we want to get. And Tony's whole thing is like, you can just feel that way. You don't have to like go through all the energy of all this stuff. You can just like sit there and be like, I want to feel good. And you can actually feel good. You can bypass all that, right? But what's interesting is like everything's happening because of a feeling. Someone clicks on your ad because they want a feeling. Somebody opts in because they want a feeling. Someone buys because they want a feeling. They send through your world because of a feeling. So it's always like, how do I create an amazing experience so they have this good feeling? Okay, um, uh, making fun of contractors again. Uh, last year, we had these contractors come to redo our house, and it was a horrible experience. We had a horrible feeling, and the whole thing was, was negative. And right now, we're starting uh, building out a new office. We're literally going to put a bowling alley in the basement. It's going to be so cool. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Shiny object Russell's on building bowling alleys. Um, anyway, it's going to be amazing. But um, they came back to me, and they're like, hey, we want to build your new office. And all of a sudden, what happened with flesh in my mind is like all of the horrible feelings I felt as they were destroying my house and not communicating with me and making me feel bad. I was like, I don't want to feel that again ever. It wasn't like the cost. It was the feeling. That's the only thing that came back was the feeling, right? How many of you guys came here today because at Final Hacking Life, you felt something and you're hoping to feel it again right now, right? That's why we do these things is because of a feeling, Okay, so I want you to think about that. Like as you're as you're doing this experience, like it's all about what's the feeling I'm giving someone. Like if they feel good, they're going to want more, and they're going to naturally want to keep ascending up. Okay, so you call this a value ladder. Now, value ladder's got a couple things. The goal is to ascend your customers up the value ladder. And what happens is you're doing that by you're providing more and more value to them on one side, which is really cool. And then the opposite side is that they're actually providing more value back to you. That's the magic of how this whole world works. It's the exchange. The more value I give you guys, the more money you give me, and I get value in return, and that's how the whole thing works, okay? Now, there's something really cool um, inside of Actionetics. We used to call it uh, an action score. If you guys have gone to Actionetics, you can click on a customer profile, there's a little circle up there with four circles around it, you see a score, and you're like, what is that? In fact, it's funny, as I was doing this presentation, I sent this to our developers, and I explained the whole thing, and they're like, oh, that's what action, that's what action score is. I was like, you guys don't even know, I've done a horrible job explaining it. But what that is, and we're changing now to value score, the name is going to be called value score here in a minute, value score. This is how valuable your customer is to you, okay? And there's four little circles around that, and the four circles stand for, there's R, F, M, S, okay? Now, we are going old school. We are going pre-internet pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace, pre-Friendster, pre-AOL, clear back to the days of direct mail, the Pony Express, okay? Dan Kennedy talked to this, Gary Halbert, like the legends of our industry taught this stuff. So there was a score back in the day called RFM score, okay? Because what happened is back then they were doing direct mail, okay? When you do direct mail, um, what, like in a perfect world, what you would do is you would just go get the phone book and mail your thing to everybody in the phone book, right? And hopefully the orders will start coming in. 
In fact, when I was learning this the very first time, I actually literally did that. I think I was, I think I was 14 years old. I read all these stories, people talking about how direct mail works. It's like, hey, you get a buyer list of people who have bought stuff, and then you write a sales letter, and you send the sales letter to the people who are proven to buy, and then they buy stuff. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. So for my birthday that year, I, um, my parents were like, what do you want for your birthday? I was like, stamps. I was like, what? I, yes, I want stamps. They're like, why do you want stamps? I'm like, uh, just please give me stamps. And they're like, you are the weirdest kid ever. And uh, so they gave me stamps. I got 38 stamps for my birthday because that's what, what they would have spent on presents ended up being 38 stamps. So I got 38 stamps. I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. This is so cool. And so then I, like, I wrote a little sales letter um, on my parents' computer. We only had dark blue paper, which looking back in hindsight was horrible. And so I printed out this one-page sales letter on dark blue paper. So you can imagine it's like black ink on dark blue and you can barely read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the sales letter. I had 38 sales letters I printed out. I folded them and I put the stamp on all 38 of them. I was like, I'm going to be rich. This is going to be the most amazing thing in the world. And I was like, I don't actually have a list of buyers though to send this out to. So guess what I did? I got the phone book and I literally flipped it open. I was like, uh, that guy. And I hand wrote it in and I flipped it again, that guy. And I did that 38 times, got these letters, shoved them in the mail and mailed them out. And I remember telling my family, like, I am going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be rich right now. If just 10% of these people respond back, and I was doing the math, I could reinvest in stamps and like throw in the whole thing. And my dad and my mom are just like, oh, and my brother and sister's like, ah, making fun of me relentlessly. You could ask them. They teased me so much. Now a couple of them work for me. It's awesome. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mailed these, I mailed these, these, uh, these blue pieces of paper folded over with a stamp and a little kid handwriting on them to the 38 people in Salt Lake City, and guess how many responded? <laughs> None. I was like, crap, this whole thing's a scam. No, what I didn't understand is how, is how this works, right? So I was just sending to random people who had no idea if they were actually interested in anything, right? And so in direct mail, what they figured out is they said, look, you can send it to like a phone book list, but it's really hard to make it, make it work. So what we want to do is we want to send it to people who have been proven to buy stuff like this in the past, right? So instead of sending it to everybody, it's like, if I'm selling a weight loss plan, Let's sell it to people that have already bought a weight loss plan because we know they're interested in losing weight. Now, this is what happens for most of us initially, okay? And this was my, I had a mental block on this for years before I understood it. In our mind, right? But they just bought a weight loss plan. They are not going to buy mine. That's what we're thinking, right? But you're completely wrong, okay? I asked Caitlin this about uh, Lady Boss. She said that the average woman goes on eight weight loss plans a year. Eight, Okay, so they're buying your thing, they're buying the next person's thing, and the next, they're buying a bunch of things, right? So the best person to sell your thing to is somebody else who already bought something similar to yours in the past because they're excited, they're, they're excited, right? So you go from like mailing the phone book to just some people who have been proven to buy the something similar in the past. Okay, your likelihood of success has just gone up like 9,000%. Okay, so that's like the next best thing. Now it's like, now inside of the people who bought in the past, how do we, how do we qualify? Like I would love to just mail to the people that are the best because I got to spend... How much is a stamp nowadays? 30-something cents on a stamp, right? So I ideally only want to send to the best people possible, right? So how do we figure out, like, if we were to lead score these lists, how do we lead score them? But they figured out, the old school guys figured out, there's three things we lead score on. Number one is recency. That says recency. How recent did they buy? Someone who bought yesterday is better than someone who bought a year ago is better than someone who bought five years ago. They just bought a weight loss plan yesterday means they're still trying to figure out how to lose weight. So recency is super important. Okay, in the direct mail world, they call these hotline buyers. Okay, these people that bought something last 30 days, these are the best, that's the cream of the crop. Like, that's the first thing you want, I want the hotline. I don't want to go on anyone else. I'm looking for recency, okay? Second thing is frequency. You are looking for the hyperactive buyers, the buyers in heat who are buying the thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, okay? Have you guys ever heard this before? Do you know the porcupines? Do you guys know how porcupines work? 
So porcupines, when they're in heat, they're like excited for a very short window, but it's like a two-week window where they are in heat and they are having sex as often as humanly possible for two weeks, and then they're done for the year. Okay, so we call this the porcupine and heat principle. So what happens is like, <laughs> this is the real thing. Uh, I promise I'm making it up on the spot. Um, so what happens to customers, right? Like you're going through your life, everything's fine. These people over here, right? And then something happens that causes them massive pain in their life. Okay, I know this for myself. Like some of you guys know, I've lost 35 pounds since two Funnel Hacking Lives ago, which is pretty exciting, right? Thank you. But why didn't I do it before that? Okay, I was an athlete my whole life, and then for eight years, like, I gained a bunch of weight, and then I just didn't for a long time. So why didn't I? I was never in enough pain. What would happen to me is every single Sunday, Sunday I go to church, and in church, I have to put a belt on, I tuck my shirt in, which I hate that, and I have a tie, and I have a big neck anyway from wrestling, but I fit a tie, and it's like choking me, and I'm like, and I'm at church, I'm like, I am so fat, and for three hours, <laughs> yes, Mormon church is three hours, actually, they just cut it to two, so we just lost, it's like, anyway, three, yeah, for the Mormons in the room. Anyway, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there for three hours sitting in the thing and I'm just like choking, choking. I'm like, I hate myself. And like Sunday night, I am ready. I need to, I need to lose weight, right? I'm in so much pain. And then Monday shows up, I throw my flip-flops on, my shorts, my t-shirt. I feel good. I'm out of pain that fast, right? If there sounds how your buyers are, they're in pain. And like, if you hit them when they're in pain, um, that's the best time to sell to them. So someone who's buying frequently, frequently, is somebody who's in pain right now. And they're, if they're buying a lot of stuff, they're in pain right now. Like they're buying a lot of stuff, right? I remember um, a couple of years ago, I took my team bowling, and bowling is my, used to be my second favorite sport, it's my third favorite sport now. Um, and I am not a great bowler, but I will be soon. We're building one in our basement of our office. Anyway, um, so in like two years from now, I'll play any of you guys in bowling. But took the team bowling, and I have my own ball and my own little wrist. Anyway, it's kind of nerdy. And so I show up, and you, anyway, I show up, and I'm the only guy who brought my own ball, right? So like, they're all like, oh my gosh, Russell must be good. He's got his own ball. Um, I'm really not that good. Someone gave me a ball one time, and now I just always bring it. So uh, we go out there bowling. We're bowling with everybody. And, um, and, uh, and I beat everyone on my team except for one guy, Mike Loveridge. And not only does he beat me in front of all my friends, then he starts teasing me and making fun of me. And I was in so much pain that night. I remember going home and I started buying everything I could find about bowling. I bought a new bowling shoes, new bowling ball. I bought a new wrist thing. I bought training. I bought ebooks. I bought course. I bought, like I was a porcupine in heat because I was in so much pain. I was buying every single thing I could, right? And then two weeks later, everything starts showing up. And my wife's like, why did you buy another bowling ball? We never go bowling. I'm like, because lovers beat me. And I was so mad about singing. And then like, eventually like everything showed up. And then, like, I literally didn't bowl for like four years after that. <laughs> but there was a window where I was excited, right? So you have to understand with frequency. It's like when someone's buying their porcupine, heat, like, they're, like now's the best time. So it's like, if I got someone, I want anyone who bought weight loss in the last 30 days. And then if they bought more than two or three, like I know that like that, that person's even more valuable to me, right? Okay, and then the third one is called monetary value. So how much do they spend? Someone who spent $2 on a weight loss program is not worth nearly as much as someone who spent $1,000 or $5,000. Okay, it measures the level of pain that they're in. Okay, so what's cool about ClickFunnels and ActionX, when you log in the back office and you click on any of your customers, you'll see a value score. And there's, um, there's four circles. And one circle is recency, one's frequency, one's monetary value. So those sh numbers shift on you. And you can create a list specific say, I want anyone whose action scores over this or who is recency is this high or stuff like that. You can create lists just to market specifically. But it's showing you how valuable that human being is to you on your list. Okay, all of you guys' action score on my database is awesome. Okay, because most of you guys... I bought recently, you buy a lot of stuff, which I'm very grateful for. Thank you very much. And you spend a lot of money because you're all here, right? So your score is really, really high. And the one thing we added on top of that, which is like fascinating, um, I was doing a project with Jeremy uh, Shoemaker, Shoe Money, and uh, he had an email autoresponder back in the day, and he did all these tests and all these data and all these analytics. And he found like the most fascinating stat um, based on like 
I don't know, hundreds of millions of emails being sent. He found that if somebody puts in their actual social email address, the real one, like their Facebook email address, that person is worth 80 times more to you than someone puts in like a throwaway email address. 80 times. So much so that for his autoresponder, if they put in an email address, they couldn't ping on Facebook and make sure it's a Facebook one, they just delete the contact. Like we don't even want it. Just a waste of time. So the last thing we have is our social score. So they're actually giving you a legitimate email address, a social, that increases as well. So right now, inside of ActionX, you can see this, the, the, how valuable that person is to you. One thing Todd's adding is he wants to be able to weight this. So some of you guys, it's like, this is the most important. And so you could change it. Like right now, it's 25% of each of these builds out your value score. But you could say like, recency is most important. I want to, I'll make that one higher and this one less. And you can like actually start crafting what value actually is to you, which would be really cool. But that's kind of the concept of the value score. So your job, if you think about this, your job is to find your dream customers, get them out of pain, switch them into the opportunities actually going to help them, and then figure out how in the world can I make them more valuable to me? I do that by giving them more value. That's this game. Okay, that's what we're doing with business. It's not like everyone thinks it's algorithm and all these nerdy stuff. Like we look at the actual thing, it's us working with humans, figuring out how do I find my dream customers who are in pain? Let me get them out of pain. Let me provide so much value to them that I keep changing their life every single tier of this. And in exchange, when they do that, they'll become more valuable to me. Isn't that fun when you look at it that way? Like it's real, it's human beings. It's, it's these people who I would hang out with them anyway, right? Like if I had the opportunity to hang out with you guys all one-on-one and it wasn't like, I wasn't so introverted. Like, I would love to just do that all day long. Like, it'd be amazing, right? You guys are like my people. I feel, how many of you guys feel like this is like your family sometimes when you come here? Yeah, so I feel like I walked in this morning. I was like, I can like feel tangibly the energy of this room. Like, I love you guys because you think about like, I'm trying, and, and every single day, like when you guys sign up for Two Comma Quebec, this was not part of the program. We never had this, right? But I was like, man, if these guys can drive more traffic, guess what happens? If I can provide more value and help them get more traffic, they will make more money and then they'll probably send up to other things they have in the future, right? They'll probably buy more things. They'll probably come back to Funnel Hacking Night. They'll probably tell some of their friends about it. They'll probably do more things like, how can I provide more value? That's a constant thing, okay? The other thing is Two Comma Quebec. Think about all the things we've added to Two Comma Quebec. It comes off of a constant, consistent question we ask ourselves internally, like, how can we provide more people value? Okay, we brought you guys accountability coaches, right? How to provide more value. We brought in, um, like I said, this event. We have, like, all these things all come off of the, of the question of, like, how do we provide more value to, to the people we're serving? And for you guys, it's the same question. Ask that over and over and over and over again. And this stuff back here, all the money stuff, it will just take care of itself. You don't have to stress about that. You just figure out how to provide more value and people will naturally keep ascending up and everything else will take care of itself, okay? But that's the game plan. I wanted to, like, I wanted to paint that picture so you guys can see it because all traffic really is is people. And we understand that you understand the goals and what we're trying to do with them. That's how you can sell them, um, uh, how you can sell them and you can serve them at the highest level. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.